the past is prologue. That kind of extends to me that the, the things that we have at Heritage Village are a lineage. Uh, they're not something static in the and in the past. Welcome to season two of the Arts Access Florida podcast. I'm your host, Malika Hollis. Each episode, we amplify the voices of the diverse art nonprofit organizations in our community. Conversations, community, and connection is right here on the Arts Access Florida podcast. Support for Arts Access Florida comes from Community Foundation Tampa Bay, championing philanthropy, encouraging and connecting givers to bring lasting good, investing in education and economic mobility. Learn more at cftampabay.org. That's cftampabay.org. Today we speak with Operations Manager Monica Drake on Heritage Village, a preservation space where they collect and preserve local history. She gives an insight on how they preserve these buildings, the team of specialists who successfully transport these buildings and artifacts to the village, and the history you can find right here in the Pinellas County community. Monica, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Can you let us know a little bit about what Heritage Village is? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. So Heritage Village is a 21-acre park and history museum, and it is actually operated under the Pinellas County Parks and Conservation Resources Department. This was a great effort that um, came together back in the 19, late 1970s, around 1976, where... Um, there were several different groups, in, including um, uh, several commissioners, county commissioners, uh, the Junior League of Clearwater, and other concerned citizens about particular uh, buildings that had great importance to the, the history of Pinellas County um, that were in peril of being raised or falling into disrepair. And so Heritage Village was really born from uh, that impetus back in the late 1970s to really save the cultural patrimony of Pinellas County, including historic buildings, um, collection pieces. So we are a collecting repository um, and really keep those things in perpetuity for the public to explore, research and, um, you know, learn from. Um, and Heritage Village is, is really amazing because we have about 16,000 plus objects in our 3D artifact collection. Um, we've got a, over 8,500 photographs, thousands of maps, um, which relate to the, the history of Pinellas County and, and how it's developed over um, you know, the 100 plus years that it's been around, mm -hmm. um, and 260 cubic feet of archival documents of early families, local businesses, um, and late 19th century area documents, government documents, um, and much, much more, including hundreds of oral history recordings. So, um, you know, we've, we've got a lot going on here uh, with our collections pieces, but on top of that, we have, um, you know, the 33 plus historic structures on site. Um, and those um, are 
certainly um, something that we're, we're really uh, always concerned in, in maintaining and preserving, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the, to the best that we can, because they, again, they're, they're houses and people might not think of it this way, but they're also collections pieces. Right. So how do you preserve that? I mean, how, how does, how does one preserve those kind of buildings and those artifacts? Um, so there are different methodologies for each of the things that we do here. And we're quite lucky because we have um, subject matter experts um, with advanced degrees that know how to preserve these things. Um, we have our curator of collections who works to preserve our 3D artifact collection. We have our, our archivist who um, cares for and manages our library and our archival documents. And then we have a historic preservationist on site whose um, main goal is to you know, monitor, assess, um, inspect, and care for the buildings on site. And so each different kind of um, area of preservation has its own niche way of doing things um, okay. because all the, the items are so different. Um, you, right. you can go from one, um, you know, 20-story uh, building um, to the smallest, um, you know, political pin from the 1960s. So um, certainly a lot of different types of materials, types, types of uh, items that all need their own type of care. And so we have our collections um, uh, policy um, that dictates how we care for those things in the 3D collection, as well as in the library and archives. And then we also have our historic preservation treatment plans, inspections. Um, and um, currently the county has recently installed um, a platform called CityWorks, which helps us with the, the buildings um, really record some of the, the projects that we're doing on those buildings, preservation projects, mm-hmm. so that we understand in the future what you know these houses have had, the types of treatment that they've had, and the types of care that they'll need into the future. So that's a great way for us to kind of record and then um, track what's happening to these buildings. So it's, it's quite a delicate balance with all of the things that we have here on property. Right. And so how did you get involved in this kind of work? So for people who might be interested in getting involved in historic preservation, what might be a track that they could follow to get there? So I really start, you know, with um, my undergrad degree in art history, um, which seems perhaps, you know, on the surface, like a strange place to start, but to understand the importance of, um, you know, the the history of something from an aesthetic uh, point of view, um, you know, you can definitely understand architectural styles um, and other currents in um, art history that went throughout the decades and centuries. And and that helps to kind of center yourself um, in understanding what is important, what is historical, what um, people might find worthy of preservation. Um, And then when I went on to grad school, I went into public history and museum studies. So um, a lot of the um, information that I received from my graduate studies was really dedicated towards looking at 
um, collections practices rather than uh, building preservation. Um, but that is in, a, in and of itself one track that you can take to get into historic preservation. Um, and then definitely there aren't any decisions made here on the historic houses at Heritage Village in a nutshell. We don't, we don't make those decisions in a vacuum. We take them very seriously. Um, and so in collaboration with the Historic Preservationists on site and myself, um, also a colleague in the, in the planning department who is a historic planner, and then also on contract, we have a historic architect who works um, with uh, Ranker Icon Parks here in the county. We make these decisions together about what type of work needs to be done to the house and what is the best practice moving forward for this house. So no, no work is uh, ever done to a building without consulting uh, many minds at one time. Right. <laughs> Many heads keep it keep it together. That's right. Okay, so specifically when it comes to Heritage Village and the buildings you say that you have on site or homes, um, what are their what's their significance? What's their historical significance? So as I mentioned, you know we have buildings on site that were located um, all over the county, and um, so they never were here originally sometimes okay. we'll have people yeah sometimes we'll have visitors come onto site and, and say what a cute little town um it it wasn't a town it, it was actually it's a spot that was dedicated the the land was dedicated to uh relocating these buildings that were you know like i said in peril of being demolished or falling right. into disrepair and these these buildings were determined um through conversations with shareholders, um, conservationists and preservationists when they were moved here. Um, and our last house was moved here actually in 2014. So we haven't had a, a house come to Heritage Village recently because we're still working um, on the preservation uh, and restoration of that building, which is the Turner Bungalow. Um, that house specifically um, was located up in Clearwater on uh, Fort Harrison Avenue, Avenue and Druid Road. Actually, if you go up there now, the location is still a barren parcel. So you can see exactly where it was, but it was moved down to Heritage Village um, in 2014. It was bequeathed by Geraldine Turner, uh, who lived in that house um, for many years. She actually inherited the house from her family, um, her, her mother and her father, um, who lived in that house, who built that house in 1915. So it has been consistently owned by the Turner family since 1915. Um, and the very unique thing about this house is that, um, well, there's a couple of things. It, it really shows a great Florida vernacular style. Um, it's, okay. it's a bungalow uh, um, and, uh, type building, um, but that kind of construction is really specific to Florida and this region. Um, so, so one, it's architecturally significant in that respect. Um, but, you know, even more than that, um, the bungalow, you know, was essentially 
a, a really great piece of history. It was owned by Alfred Cleveland and Amber Clark Turner, and uh, who was Geraldine's parents. And um, Alfred was actually um, the uh, caretaker for the, the golf course up at the Bellevue Biltmore, Biltmore Hotel when it was there. And so you can kind of um, see where like this piece of, of the built environment um, makes you understand how um, people really responded to location, right? Because the built right. was probably only, I don't know, a half a mile from where his house was built. So you can kind of imagine him walking, you know, leaving his house and walking to the golf course and doing his day's work at this, you know, other historic uh, building and then returning home at the end of the day. Right. Um, so it's, it's an interesting piece of, um, uh, of the built environment, like I said, and um, more than that, Geraldine Turner was really well known in the community. She was um, a teacher. So we have lots of people who come on to site and then understand that the Turner bungalow was owned by her and will say, well, she was my teacher. Um, so oh, wow. uh, it's kind of wonderful that way. Another house that we have, which is one of my favorites, is um, the McMullen Coachman Log Cabin, which is the oldest extant building in the county. Um, this, bu this building is 170 years old. Um, it was built in 1852. And um, you really have a sense of a couple of things when looking at that building. One is how difficult it was to live back then. This was built mm -hmm. of, of, you know, logs that were um, fell from trees. Um, so materials that were only um, endemic to the area. You weren't getting right. things from up north or anything. Um, but but kind of to that point as well, um, a house that we have just about 20 years later, which is the McMullen um, house, which is, it's another McMullen house. It's the Daniel McMullen house does have materials that are made locally, of course, but that have some other materials that are shipped in from other places. And this is where you see the dichotomy between the pre-railroad uh, era and the post-railroad era. So you can see how something such as transportation really transformed how people started to um, think about, again, their built environment and what was possible for them right. to do. When you come to Heritage Village, can you see that difference? Could someone who doesn't know that history, would they be able to tell the differences with the houses and maybe the materials? Yeah, I think we've done a really fantastic job in doing interpretation of these buildings. And we have um, a lot of different ways that people can access that information. One way is um, we have interpretive signage outside of each house that talks right. about, uh, you know, who lived there and when the, the building was built. Um, it also shows a map of where the house was moved from um, mm. when it was originally, um, or where it was originally located before it came to Heritage Village. Um, and so it goes through a lot of the more specific history of, like I said, who lived there, who built it to more of the general history of the area that helps um, put that house into context. Um, and, and for those of, uh, of us who love you know, current technology, we also have an app that goes above and beyond 
um, those are interpretive okay. signs. Um, and visitors can go into the app and really learn a lot more about, you know, what did that building mean to the area and why is it significant and why was it moved to Heritage Village um, amongst other topics. Um, so we talk a little bit about transportation since it was so important to this area and mm -hmm. we talk about tourism and agriculture and all of those things. Um, the app is really great because you don't have to, um, you know, really, uh, you're, you're not relegated to just a physical sign. You've got all this space to build out, um, you know, digitally, and you're really not contained that way. So there's a lot of information in that app, and anyone can find that by going um, to their app store and just looking for Heritage Village. While you're enjoying this episode of Arts Access Florida, we want to tell you about another podcast we think you'll like. The Zest is WUSF's podcast about food in Florida. We explore food history, chat with award-winning chefs, and more. Listen at thezestpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So I have to know how, since everything comes to Heritage Village, how do you transport it? How did you transport the the Turner Bungalow and I think the McMullen House? Well, um, yeah, so that's a great question because it is uh, truly an engineering marvel, um, I think, to, to pick up these uh, you know, historic buildings and move them without um, any major damage being right. done to them. Yeah, um, I, I one of my favorite stories truly is uh, the relocation of our uh, Seven Gables uh, house, which was actually built by David Starr um, back uh, in the 1900s and um, had gone through di several different iterations. It was owned by the Starr family. They sold it. It became um, somewhat of a boarding house and um, you know, finally, it, it, it was up on this bluff in Clearwater, almost um, in the approximate location of the current um, county court house. And um, it, so it overlooked, you know, um, Clearwater Harbor and probably had a very magnificent view. But at that point, it, it really wasn't um, being used in the way it, it needed to be used anymore. And of course, there was the fear that it would fall into disrepair or just be raised. So um, they did something amazing. They um, were able to get a company that took a crane, lifted the House of Seven Gables up on the crane off the bluff and onto a barge that was in the oh. intercoastal. They shipped it down the intercoastal until they got to 688. And then they lifted it on to a flatbed truck and then they transported it to Heritage Village. I mean, it's amazing. Wow. That's crazy. I can't, wow, I can't believe they do that. It is truly amazing. It really is. <laughs> many, many smart minds have figured out how to do it. Wow. That is right. That, that, that portion is definitely above my pay grade. So I'm happy <laughs> that I don't have to be the engineer who figures that out. For each and every house, you know, we've had, um, for example, the Turner Bungalow, um, you know, the house and the contents 
we're not the only thing that were um, donated to Heritage Village, but um, you know that whole uh, process was possible because um, por a portion of the money to move the house was also donated by the Turner family. Amazing. So I'm curious to know, why do you think preserving history in this way is so important? You know, I, I have to say, I um, have a really uh, great, I think great answer to that. And, and it, I do this stuff every day, but it didn't really hit me. You know, when you're in the thick of it, you kind of just, you, you, you do what you do. Right. Uh, but I was recently, I recently went to Washington DC for a conference and everything you see there is history, the buildings, the artifacts, the monuments, mm -hmm. you know, um, I was, it was the first time I had ever gone there. So I, I could really feel history oozing out of the location, the built environment. Mm -hmm. um, and by virtue of just standing within the National Mall, you can intimately understand what Americans hold most important. So starting with like a building like the National Archives, where our Constitution, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence reside, it's immediate to you that that is important, mm -hmm. that needs to be preserved. And why? Because um, for all of the reasons that Americans hold dear, of course. Um, so, and then even amongst that, you have things that we hold dear, like the freedom of information contained in, and the freedom of expression held in and contained in many Smithsonian museums um, that surround that area, as well as, you know, the Library of Congress is right up the road. So you're just surrounded with this understanding of what's important for Americans. Mm -hmm. And so this type of built environment helps you to understand what is, you know, culturally, politically, and socially important. Um, and of course, one of my favorite structures um, uh, uh, that I saw when I was standing there is an allegory right in front of the National Archives that reads the past as prologue. Um, so, you know, that kind of extends to me that the, the things that we have at Heritage Village, in the same sense, you know, that you see these things at the National Mall in DC are a lineage. Uh, they're not something static in the and in the past. They're not something that just happened a hundred and so years ago. They're still happening and they still inform how we understand our region, our communities, mm -hmm. uh, what's important to us. And, um, you know, it, and we're encountering these visual cues every day in our built environment that tell us these things. So from the facilities we see each day or buildings such as the Turner bungalow to even the design of something like a utensil you use or the shoes you wear, it, it, these cues all do the same thing. Right. They all tell, they all tell you a story and they, they all tell you something that you can learn from. Absolutely. Well, you said that you have a preservation summit, and I believe it's coming up on May 18th. Would you um, explain a little bit about this? Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited to be working with um, the Historic Preservation Board to have their uh, preservation summit coming to Heritage Village's Pinellas Room on May 18th. 
from noon to six o'clock. And what we really will highlight during that, um, that summit is um, preservation practices most specific to Heritage Village. Um, and we hope to um, we hope that that anyone coming to the conference can then extrapolate from that, you know, their own preservation practices, whether it be um, in their own personal homes, if they have a historic home in in Pinellas County or elsewhere, or if they work for another um, you know park that preserves local history uh, or museum um, that preserves lo local or regional history. Um, so really, we we want to kind of explore how we conduct our preservation practices here at Heritage Village, so that we can help others um, achieve the best best standards and best practices for their own preservation projects. Um, I'm really excited to announce um, that our keynote speaker for that day will be Stephen Hayes, who's the um, president of the St. Pete Clearwater Convention and Visitor Bureau um, to kind of bring everything together. Um, and so that might seem like a really strange choice, but um, you know, heritage tourism is truly on the rise. And um, from all uh, recent statistics, um, it's ex actually accelerated even more during the COVID period because there are a lot of historic houses and historic sites where you can be, you know, outside and socially distanced and safe mm -hmm. and still interacting with his local history. So I'm really excited to be able to host that here at Heritage Village. And of course, we'll have more information about that summit coming up on um, our Facebook page and our website um, uh, uh, shortly. So. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Monica, for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much, Malika. This was, of course, a lot of fun. You can visit Heritage Village and check out their upcoming Preservation Summit on May 18th in Largo, Florida. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Arts Access Florida podcast. You can find more information on today's guests in the show notes. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Arts Access Florida or go to our website, artsaccessflorida.org to get access to the arts. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L Our show is a product of WUSF Public Media and made possible by our sponsors, Community Foundation Tampa Bay and Gobioff Foundation. A special thanks to our editor, Scott Walkler, and many more who make this show possible. Copyright 2022, WUSF Public Media.